KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I think some people don't realize how important it is to have a diverse skill set, and especially in minor league baseball, there's not one person that just does one thing. Everybody has their hands in a different department. It's always all hands on deck because, you know, the staffs aren't always ginormous and everyone works together. So I think my willingness to do that has helped me succeed. And our guest this week is Emily Messina. She is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Phillies AA squad out in Reading, the Reading Fighting Phils. And want to let you know, as we are recording this interview, you may hear in the background behind us a voice over a PA system, a graduation practice is going on. Emily Messina, thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much for having me on today. really appreciate it. So we are seeing life kind of accelerate towards normal the fighting fills have been playing uh how's the season going so far it's great it's all come together so fast but it's been fantastic to be back at the ballpark and just to have baseball in front of us here again at first energy stadium showcasing what it was meant to do is really exciting now you were actually hired like a month before the pandemic overtook everything am i correct like around february That's of 2020 correct. february of 2020 yep so i worked for about a month before we were all sent home because of the pandemic but luckily they kept us all on and we worked through out the summer but what was that like you just get what i'm assuming is you know a dream opportunity and a month into it like a month before your season's supposed to start everything goes sideways what did you go through just as a young professional emotionally, like seeing this kind of happen before your eyes? It was tough at first, definitely. Um, And I kind of related to what the players were going through, trying to build up their careers. And that was all put on hold. But at the same time, I was very lucky to be a part of an organization that kept us on through the pandemic. And so I was able to kind of gain some insight into all of the other stuff that goes on at First Energy Stadium and be a part of that and patiently wait until baseball came back. Yeah, what what was your summer like with, with those games? What were some of the things that you were able to do? So we hosted a lot of extra events. Um, we called them parties where we, you know, had fans out to the ballpark with, you know, our concession stands open and things like that for charity. And then we also hosted a bunch of high school tournaments and travel tournaments. So there was some baseball as a part of it. Also, you know, just working on extra events, a Halloween night, an Easter event, things like that. So I want to talk about the, the road that brought you to play-by-play broadcasting because I've always found with my myself included play-by-play is very rarely something that people stumble into it is something that people pursue you know to the ends of the earth to try to get the opportunity what's your origin story when did you get hooked on the idea of uh, being a broadcaster specifically a play-by-play broadcaster Definitely. I've been working towards this since I was young. And when I started college, I decided that I wanted to do it um, when I heard Susan Waldman, who's the color commentator for the New York Yankees on the radio. Parents listened to that broadcast on their drives to the Jersey Shore. And that's when I kind of thought that this is something I could do more than just for fun, but as a career. And I've been pursuing that ever since. Now, you grew up in Bucks County, am I correct? That's correct. So... What were you able, what were what were the outlets you were able to find to try to develop a, a love for broadcasting for play-by-play? I mean, when I was young, I literally just had a tape recorder, watched Phillies games, and did my own 
broadcast? Were there were there classes available? Were there programs available, or was it simply just you know doing whatever you could to to try to to work on the craft? Kind of similar, um, you know, attending a lot of baseball games on my own and just thinking about how I would go about it. I did have some experience scoring baseball, so that's where I kind of um, was able to pursue my interests and and just be a part of the game. And then when I got to college, I got a job in our athletic department where I was able to really start broadcasting baseball and a bunch of other different sports. You mentioned experience scoring baseball. It's becoming a lost art, in my opinion. I love scoring games. Where did that come from? Was that from a family member that, that turned you on to that? Yeah, I guess just my parents are big baseball fans, so I know it's sort of, it could be like a dying part of the industry, but it's something that I've always loved to do, and I actually hand-created my own scorecard that fits what I need throughout the game, so I was able to make my own book, and I actually really love that. So you went to Catholic University? That's correct. What drew you there and what was it about their media that you you thought you could really take advantage of? Well, I knew I wanted a small school and a big city, which is a tough combination to get. And I was also a competitive swimmer at the time, so I wanted to make sure that I was able to continue that in college. And Catholic University gave me all three. It's a smaller uh, school in a major market, Washington, D.C. And then I was also able to continue on their swim program for four years. So I was um, a Division Three athlete there. And what the great thing about Catholic was that I got opportunities that I might have not gotten at a bigger school. Um, they let me kind of take control of the broadcast department in athletics. Um, and I gained a ton of experience there, which I think has helped me in the future. How difficult was the balance of, you know, being an athlete at the college level was a lot of commitment between that and, and pursuing not just the, not, not so much the credit needs and stuff for getting your degree, but stuff you need to do to try to make it in this industry is kind of outside the realm of the classroom. Yeah, I mean, it's always been a balance that I've had my entire life because I was a swimmer for 16 years. So I've always had time management as one of my better skill sets. And so I think balancing a sport and a job and going to school wasn't so much a big deal for me. And I think that's what has allowed me to thrive in this industry because in sports, it's pretty much all the time. It's 24 seven news is always breaking media, always needs availability. Um, Things are always happening. Moves are always being made. So working, having that experience in college where I had to balance a bunch of things has definitely helped me now working in the sports industry. What did you swim? 200 Butterfly was my main event. How'd you get into swimming? Was that something that you just, when you were young, you realized you were good? Or was it something that that came along later? And like you mentioned swimming for 16 years. So uh, I guess very early you uh, realized this? Yeah, it was a big part of my life growing up. And I started it, actually I was having trouble with illnesses and other sports. So I had to pick something else and a bunch of my neighbors were swimmers. So I got started when I was young and just continued ever since. What'd you like about it? You don't swim for 16 years just because you're pretty good at it. Yeah, I liked the, I liked practicing the best. I think being able to challenge myself and rise to the challenge, which is I think why I picked the 200 butterfly as, as my main event, just, you know, persevering and toughing it out. I certainly wasn't the best swimmer all the time, but just being able to, you know, fight and put in the hard work and see the results at the end of the day always, I think, was 
such a big part of it for me and it's such a demanding sport and so it's very fulfilling at the end of the day. You mentioned illnesses was that something you battled as a child? Yeah just you know typical stuff as a kid just having trouble with some sports where I would get uh, overheated and things like that so I had to bow out of some other things that you know weren't good for my health and that's how I found swimming and it worked out in my favor in the end. So getting back to the broadcasting as you're going through high school as you're going through college and career plans are crystallizing what do you think about the road ahead did were there times when you had doubts or were there were you pretty much I'm gonna make this happen you know whatever it takes. I'm definitely going to make it happen, whatever it takes. Of course, there are doubts. There are times that are tough, you know, the pandemic being one of those. And I'm I'm certain that everybody faced that over this last year. But um, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going to get there and I'm going to work hard and do everything I can to prove that I deserve to be there as well. And very passionate about it. I'm very excited to be on this journey and I'm grateful to see where it takes me. Play by play through history has been mostly a male dominated field. I'm curious as you're going through classes as internships and stuff like that, uh, what was the reaction to people when you would tell them what you wanted to do? Were people supportive? Did you get some people kind of raising an eye towards you? What was the general reaction? Definitely typically a tone of surprise. For the most part support, I've I've been lucky to have found places where you know, my, my superiors are very supportive of me and, um, and what I want to do with my life. And I think you have to find those people that are willing to give you the opportunity and that see your value and what you can bring to the table. And I, I think part of it is that you're not going to get hired in a position where they're not supportive. You're only going to get hired in a position where they are supportive of the diversity and of expanding with minorities and things like that. So I think I'm lucky to have found, you know, one of the few spots right now where where they are supportive of that. And I'm also really lucky for the network of other female broadcasters in minor league baseball. There's five of us and they have been so helpful for me in this path. So your first uh, experience out of college with baseball was in Lynchburg. Am I correct? With That's the Lynchburg correct. Hillcats? Yep. Yes. At the I- time, they were the high A affiliate of the Indians. And you were the press box manager? Yes, I worked in the press box, um, which was I think was good for me to diversify my skill set. And then I was also able to get on the air sometimes. I did the PA sometimes. I learned more of the technical side of the press box. So I think it was good to help for me to see like the back end of how everything works as well. Yeah, that's something I think a lot of young broadcasters, you'll see people get kind of tunnel vision into, I want to be a play-by-play. And if it's not play-by-play, I'm not interested. But it really is incredibly important to kind of take the opportunities as they come because you just never know which one's going to open the right door. Yeah, that's exactly how I base my whole path on, honestly. I'm always open to doing a bunch of different things. I never want to pigeonhole myself into doing just one thing. Obviously, I'm pursuing play-by-play, but I think what has gotten me this far is my willingness to do any aspect of the industry. I think some people don't realize how important it is to have a diverse skill set, and especially in minor league baseball, there's not one person that just does one thing. Everybody has their hands in a different department. It's always on hands, all hands on deck because, you know, the staffs aren't always ginormous and everyone works together. So I think my willingness to do that has helped me succeed. 
after Lynchburg, you end up with the Melbourne Aces in Australia. How does a Bucks County kid who went to college in D.C. and had just spent a season in Lynchburg end up at Down Under? I'm always down to take on the next adventure wherever it may be. I don't say no to any kind of opportunity, and it's just something that I saw that I applied for on a whim thinking there's no way they're going to contact me about this and then in like the span of a week I had interviewed there I got the position and I decided to go of course it took a little bit longer than that with the visa in the end but it was absolutely exhilarating and I'm so grateful that I chose to go because it was the experience of a lifetime. What did you do? Were you the the play-by-play voice of of the aces? Was it kind of an all-encompassing job like a lot of the minor league jobs here in the in the U.S.? Yeah, similar over there as well. I was I was on the radio. I did a mix of play-by-play and color. I also um, did the public address, and I worked up in their press box too. So I once again got a really diverse experience, and I got some airtime too. So I was working on that while I was down under as well. Better experience career-wise or life, just getting to spend an extended amount of time in Australia? Honestly, I was really lucky that it turned into both. I think it was really great for me personally to try something new, to go live, you know, in another country for six months was a really, especially like Australia was so awesome. Um, I got to see so many things, but career-wise it was too, because on one hand, it is very similar to the way baseball works in America, but on the other hand, that's their elite level in Australia And so they, you know, bring players from all over. So I was working with, you know, ex-major leaguers and I was working with Australia's top tier guys. And then we were also working with some minor league guys and then some 18 year olds just getting their start in Australia. So it was a really diverse roster. And I think it was a good experience for me to be able to speak to and handle players of different levels. Down there, it's a little bit more casual of a feel. So I was really able to talk to these guys, get to know them as people and the managers as well. And I think that has helped with my color commentary on that side of the broadcast. Do you have, do you have a favorite moment from your time in Australia? Well, we ended up winning the uh, Claxton Shield, which is what they called their championship. So that was pretty exciting. I actually got a ring from that championship. So to go and get a win in my only second year working in professional baseball was pretty exciting. Does that lead you to Reading? So from there, I did a bunch of interviews when I was over in Australia. And it was tough with the time difference because there's like a 16 hour time difference. So I was waking up and doing interviews at like two in the morning just to like accommodate the schedule of everyone in America that I was interviewing with. So I interviewed at a bunch of different spots, got a couple of opportunities and ended up choosing Reading, Pennsylvania, because I thought it was where I could get the most well-rounded experience, you know, with a team that I already knew a lot about. And uh, the atmosphere just seemed right. What is your favorite part of doing a game is it the pregame is it the interview after the game is it telling a story with two outs and nobody on in the fourth inning like what is at the top of the list of things you really love about uh, the broadcast itself on my broadcast I try to be really casual so I never want to make it seem stiff I never want to have you know myself come off as a different person on the air. I want to come off as me. I want to just tell the story of what's happening. Um, Especially it's, you know, it's nice and challenging here in Reading because for the most of it, it's just the radio end of it. 
but you can also hear my voice on minor league baseball TV online with the game. So it's sort of like half of the people listening can't see what's going on and half of the people listening can see what's going on. So it's fun to try to balance that. And I love to just to tell the story of the game in a casual environment and make people feel like they're there with me. And you do the games by yourself. Most minor league broadcasts are one person booths, right? Yes, for the most, most of the time, I would say like 75% of the time, just me. And then on occasion, I'll have um, someone pop in here and there. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Reading Fightin' Phil's play-by-play broadcaster, Emily Messina, right after this. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week is Reading Fightin' Phil's play-by-play voice, Emily Messina. How much of a challenge, and I ask you this as a play-by-play person who has rarely done games by myself i've almost always had a partner you have to learn to be comfortable not saying anything sometimes right is that a difficult because i remember young matt leon felt silence was awful and had to keep talking but especially with baseball you kind of got to let it breathe sometimes don't you yeah it's a long game it's definitely a skill that takes some time to learn it's something i'm still like learning as well where you find the moments of comfortable silence during the game and you just let it speak for itself um, when no action is happening, when it's the right moment to just take a deep breath and take it all in. So learning the balance of giving the listener information and also letting the listener just, you know, take in the sounds of the game on its own. How have, how are you, do you listen to yourself a lot to critique? Because I, I find two camps, people constantly listening to themselves and trying to and people who can't stand to listen to themselves and just kind of go with it where do you fall on that I definitely listen back to my tape because I find that's a big way to help myself improve is you know oftentimes when you're talking you don't even know what you're what you're saying sometimes so I listen back and I'm like my, my biggest thing that I'm working on right now is I say the word as like other people say the word um or like I use the word as, and I had no idea that I was doing that until I listened back to my tape and I'm like, oh my gosh, I say the word as like every other second, I have to fix that. So I wouldn't have known I was doing it at all. I had no knowledge of, you know, I don't even remember that I said it that many times, but listening back to my own tape helps me to improve and it points out things that I didn't even know were happening. In the big picture, Do you want to stay baseball play-by-play? Are you interested in other sports or is baseball the track you, for the most part, want to try to pursue? I definitely would love to stay within the sport of baseball. That's my number one priority right now, but I'm 100% opening to pursuing different avenues, to working on different sports. That was kind of my plan going into last winter, but it was tough around here, you know, a lot of colleges didn't play, a lot of other sports didn't play. So that'll be something I'll look to expand over this winter if I can. One of the eye-opening and alarming things to me in this age of social media is I had no idea what people, what women who cover talk sports have to put up with as far as comments and stuff like that. Have you had to deal with a lot of that, especially you're not just a woman in sports, but you're a woman doing a job that only a handful of women percentage-wise are doing. Have you had any challenges to that effect? Yes, I try my best not to look. For the most part, I, I'm i grateful that the other women in 
that I work with in minor league baseball, we have such a close relationship. So we're able to talk each other through those more difficult moments when they happen to you. And just how everyone, you know, understand how everyone deals with that individually. So I look to those people and I'm lucky to have Susan Waldman as a mentor as well. And she probably had it the most difficult because at the time she was the only woman trying to get in. So she's been very helpful for me with just dealing with that kind of aspect of the role. Does it, is it ever bad enough that makes you question things? It can get pretty difficult, I'll be honest, but I just, you know, I'm lucky to have really supportive coworkers and I, you know, I just remind myself, I do know what I'm doing. I do deserve to have this job. I put in a lot of time and effort into this position and I know my coworkers and I know um, I have the support of the team. So I just try to put those things aside and just keep grinding the best I can. You mentioned the word grind. Minor league baseball is a grind and it's one of the reasons I didn't pursue is once I kind of learned what went into it. Uh, are you traveling just with COVID and all, or are you only broadcasting from home for the time being? Not as of yet. Hopefully will in the future, but I am calling the games remote from our ballpark, which has been definitely very interesting, but a great learning experience for me. Are you concerned about the travel once that it gets to that point? When I say concerned, just I've talked to minor league broadcasters, and they would tell me, you know, Matt, I woke up in the hotel. I didn't know if I was in Altoona or Erie. I couldn't remember where we were. Uh, are you curious about that that part of the challenge? Because that's a lot of bus rides. It's a, it's a lot of not the best hotels. You know, it, it can really grind on you. I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my ability to multitask and handle a bunch of things at once. Um, and I know you know, just the way I was raised and the way I spent my time in college, I've had enough experience to be able to handle that kind of thing. And it's part of the job for me. It's, you know, it's actually a lot of the time where you get a lot of good insight from the players about who they are as people and what that life is like. And I think, how can I talk about what they're going through from an outsider perspective? It's, you know, it will help me relate to them a bit more when, you know, just thinking about like when a player gets called up that morning, they have to make the drive to wherever the team is. And then they start that night and people, you know, aren't always aware of the way that happens. So it's my job to provide that kind of insight. And I think the best way is to have that experience as well. You mentioned Susan Waldman as a, as a mentor, who are some other people you listen to? Who are some other people that you really enjoy listening to them do a game? Yeah, I spend a lot of time trying to listen to everyone else that is going on. Obviously, Tom McCarthy, um, I really enjoy his broadcast. Vin Scully, I try to listen back to. And then I like to listen to my friends in the minors as well, because the minors and the majors is a lot different experience as well. So I'm lucky to have a great relationship with the people in my league and with some other minor league broadcasters where, you know, the other day we got rained out. So I use that time to listen to a different minor league broadcast because players are constantly changing. They're at a way different place in their lives. And it's, it's kind of a different story to tell. So I also look to other minor league broadcasters as well as some local major league ones as well. You're close to the same age, I would imagine, to a lot of the players. Does that help mm -hmm. you relating as far as you get it? You, you guys grew up the same, you know, you like probably the same likes, following the same TV show, stuff like that, uh, where I would imagine there's kind of a connection with the players that 
maybe an older no. broadcaster like me wouldn't uh, wouldn't wouldn't have. I mean, I'm definitely not on the exact same page as they are. You know, they've had a different grind that I have had. And I don't want to say, you know, that I've going through the same things that they're going through because a lot of them have a lot of pressure on their plate and dealing with that stuff. But I do think being a similar age to them and just the way that I carry myself makes shows them that I'm trustworthy and that they can look to me if they ever need anything or if they ever want to talk about anything. So I think that just providing them with the media relations side of it because it's my job to you know get them interviews to promote them to promote the organization but at the same time it's also my job to protect them from from media and from certain aspects of the industry so I think I think it's more about the way you come across to these players and you you show them that you have their back and that you're trustworthy for them is much better than, you know, whatever age you are or whatever your interests are. You mentioned earlier in the interview how minor league baseball staffs are smaller and people have to wear a lot of hats. Can you give us a, let's say, Redding's playing a 7-10 game at home. Take me through your day. People, because I think people think, oh, well, the game's at 7, you probably arrive at 5, and not really. You're you're coming in at 9 or 10, right? Game day depends on which which day of the week it is. First game of the homestand, I'll honestly probably get there at about 7.30 to the ballpark. I, I'm one of the earlier ones there. It can be tough to get work done when the office is open because then, you know, you, you're, you're fielding calls, you're fielding media. So I like to get in there early. I start with the game notes for the day, updating all of the stats, things like that, um, updating the roster, sending it out to whoever needs it, working with the visiting team that's coming in, making sure they have anything that they need. If our team's being covered by TV that day, making sure they have everything they need, printing out our stat packs for our managers, you know, discussing with them what time everything is going on, coordinating interviews. A lot of times we'll have pregame interviews for the players, making sure things are going on in the ballpark. If there's a story coming out that day, formulating that, formulating any roster moves that are coming to the team. The Phillies have had quite a number of transactions, as I imagine a lot of teams have with COVID and injuries and things like that. So that's been a work in progress. And then following the guys throughout BP, getting a chance to talk to them, getting ready for the game with figuring out the lineups and distributing those types of things. So there's a lot that goes on, but kind of get into a routine of everything. Once you, you know, get it handled down, you're able to, you know, figure it out without too much stress. Is the game almost the easiest part of your day? The 100%. The game is where I get to stop running around and where I get to just sit down, really take in what I do for a living and what's going on in front of me. And that's, I don't want to say the easiest time, but it's 100% the best time of the day. I've had all my research done by that point. Everything is sorted. So I just get to sit down and take a deep breath and go for it. You mentioned one of five female broadcasters in all of minor league baseball, and that's a lot of baseball. Do you feel in a way any bit like a trailblazer? Like you're one of a handful of people, or I should say one of a handful of women doing a job that has historically been done by men. Do you ever look through it, look at it through that prism? Not really, honestly. I, you know, just try to stay in my own lane and do the best that I can and prove myself with my experience and my work. I think that's what speaks more than any anything else could. 
I think the best thing I can do for myself is just to put my head down and get my job done to the best of my ability. And um, that's really what I try to do each day and not think about all the outside stuff. And to that, but to that point, do you ever feel any extra pressure being a, being a woman doing this job? I do sometimes just, you know, I want to do a good job for myself and for the other women. I know I don't get as much leeway as some other people might. I probably won't get another opportunity if I mess up. So I know I have to make the most of every day, every game that I can. And with there being, you know, not as many opportunities, this is a very competitive field to begin with. So I know that I have to really make a good impression when it counts. And I think, you know, as I said before, the best way for me to prove myself and for me to overcome any kind of prejudice or any kind of doubt that I shouldn't be in the industry is to just work hard and do the best that I can. Do you have a timetable for yourself? Let me ask you this. What would be, if I came to you and said, Emily Messina, you'd have any job you want. Just tell me what it is. We'll make it happen. What would be the absolute dream top of the line job for you? I think just staying with play by play, I try not to look into the future as much because um, that can be a little bit scary. So I try to just take it day by day. I'm really grateful to be in double A just, you know, a few years out of college. I'm really grateful for the fight and fills to give me this opportunity. And I'm just trying to go day by day and game by game and, and see where life takes me. I'm open to all kinds of possibilities. So I try not to pin myself down to one thing. Emily Messina, this was great. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode of One on One. Want to thank Emily Messina, the play-by-play voice of the Reading Fighting Phils, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show and you want to help us out and you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.